Let's turn to First uh, Peter, the second chapter, and then we'll also look in Luke 14. First Peter 2, Luke 14. First Peter 2, 5 says, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to do something. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that we've been made kings and we've been made priests unto our God. And in our priestly function, priests offer sacrifices. It's typified in the first covenant. Now, the Bible says there remains no more sacrifice for sin. So we're not talking about sacrifices to pay for our mistakes or sacrifices whereby we'll be saved by our good works. No, no, no. That's been bought and paid for. But we're talking about a love sacrifice, not trying to save ourselves with it, but out of love in service to the one who's done everything for us. Can you say amen? Amen. In Hebrews 13, if you turn there, Hebrews 13, we're given some specific examples of the kind of sacrifices you and I can and should be offering. Hebrews 13 and 15. 13, 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. How many think it would be a good idea to just go ahead and do that? Praise God when? When? Continually is like all the time. Right? And that is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. You know when the conversation lulls. And you don't know what to say. It's always appropriate to say. Thank you Lord. Huh? Praise you master. It's always appropriate. Some say well I think that's just a habit. Well it's better than the one you got. If you don't have it. Because you're saying something. Right? Verse 16. But to do good. And to communicate, now that's an old English word, a King James word, that means to share, to give. To do good and to give or share, forget not, for with such sacrifices, he's talking about the praise and the thanksgiving and the giving of material things, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Well pleased. Now, uh, sacrifice... Let me read a definition of it for you. One definition says, The surrender or destruction of something prized or desirable for the sake of something considered as having a higher value or a more pressing claim. A sacrifice, another definition says, That which must be given or done or undergone in order to obtain a thing. A sacrifice. It's a price paid, not just for no reason, a price paid to obtain something more significant than what you're giving up. Right? 
Look in Luke 14 and you see him describing this. Jesus talking about this. Luke 14 and about verse 16 it begins. Then said he to them, a certain man made a great supper and he bade many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray you have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And in the master of that house was understanding and said, I know you, you have a lot of things going on and you can't always just come when I call and that'll be fine. We'll catch you another time. Huh? No, no, no. Now, you know, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was angry with them about it, what would he be with us? If we did the same thing, he's going to have, we're going to get the same response. He's not going to be pleased. And uh, the master of the house was angry. He said to his servant, go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there's room. And the Lord said to them, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. You know, that is the Lord's desire and that is his plan and his purpose. And it will stand. His house will be filled. The question is, with who? Right? A lot of people invited, but not everybody invited is going to wind up there, which is what he says in just a moment. He says, for I say to you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And uh, the an, another account of this, it says they weren't worthy. Matthew 22, his account says those that were invited weren't worthy. Now, why weren't they worthy? Worth, worthy, the root word is worth, value. They didn't value his things. So their value was not there. As far as having the opportunity, they missed opportunity. Did other people get to enjoy the benefits of the supper? Other ones beside those who were first invited. Not the same people. Why? Because the ones first invited did not value and esteem the invitation and the opportunity. They had other stuff to, that was more valuable to them. That was more important to them. And they couldn't come. Because they had other things more important. And when you have other things that's more important, 
than the Lord's things, you judge yourself unworthy. The Lord didn't do it to you. You did. You judged yourself unworthy of it. And I know sometimes people don't like to hear it, but it's true. Even though the Lord needs us, he does need us to do what he's got, uh, his purposes and plans in the earth. Yet as an individual, I nor you are irreplaceable. Even though he needs us, we can be replaced as far as doing a job in the kingdom. And uh, he even said on one occasion, he said, uh, if these don't cry out, the stones would cry out. Because they were bragging, saying, Abraham's our father. He said, uh, God could raise up of these stones, children of Abraham. God can do things more than one way. And he can do things with more than one group. And if you don't appreciate and value the opportunity and invitation, he's long-suffering. Don't misunderstand me now. He's long-suffering. And, and he's more long-suffering than you are or than I am. It's one of the things I am most amazed about him is his patience. Man, your patience will be gone, shot, and his is barely begun. But eventually, if people won't judge themselves, right? If people won't listen and won't do, eventually... They, a job's got to be done and it affects other people. He will use somebody else. How many know God appointed Saul as king? Didn't he? But Saul wouldn't do what he told him to do, would he? He didn't appreciate, he didn't value his uh, instructions. The Lord, through the man of God, gave Saul very specific instructions about a military campaign. Exactly what to do, where, when, and how. And he just made all kind of radical changes. And did some things that the Lord didn't tell him to do. And didn't do some very specific things that the Lord did tell him to do. And then when it came out, he uh, made excuses and tried to act like, you know, it was okay. And So he didn't value the Lord given him this place. He didn't value the Lord's instructions. And so the Lord said on another occasion, he said, I found me a man after my own heart. Didn't he say that? I saw that as clear today as I've seen it. Because many a time I've thought, you know, what exactly does that mean? A man after my own heart. And uh, I know one part of it means this. A man who values what I value. A man who honors what I honor, which that's what honor means, is to value something. And it's obvious that David, he understood some things about the honor of God. From some of the things that happened and some of the things he did and the way he did them, it's obvious. He valued things that nobody else saw value in. And it was a, he's a man after God's own heart. He values and esteems what God values and esteems. How many of you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart? What he likes, you like. What's important to him is important to you. You value what he values. You despise what he despises. You honor what he honors. Right? That should be our heart and desire. And that's a big key to it going well with us.
when we do. Because what did he say? Those that honor me, I'll honor them. Now keep reading in this because all this flows together. He said, verse 24, I say to you that none of those men which were bidden or invited shall taste of my supper. Boy, that's sad to me, isn't it you? That you had an invitation. You were supposed to be there at the table and you're not going to taste it. That's sad to me. So what's the way to prevent this from ever happening? When he calls, go. Right? When he invites, when he calls, don't let there be anything that's more important to you or more valuable to him. I don't care what kind of plans you had or what kind of things you need to do. When he calls, everything else is off the table. That way this kind of thing won't happen. I don't want any stone taking my place. Praising God. I don't want any other person taking my place. Serving God. And I know I'm not in danger of losing my place. If I'll just continue to value what he values. Right? He's very merciful and patient. He'll give me a chance to repent if I mess up. But if you just get to the place where you don't esteem his things and and don't appreciate and value any of your opportunities, you go that way long enough and far enough uh, and you're not doing the job and it's not getting done, he's got things that have to be done. Other people are being affected. The kingdom, the church is being affected. You know, it helps me to think right that uh, God needs me and Phyllis as pastors and ministers here in the churches, but uh, I'm not irreplaceable. You know, now you can't replace me. You can't. Churches try all the time. And if you were able to put somebody else instead of me and it wasn't God, it'd be a disaster. You can't replace me successfully. But God can. He could replace me like that. And you're in the same boat with me. But if I'll judge myself, I won't be judged. Amen. If I'll make an effort to love him and follow him and and do what he shows me, my place will be secure. He's very gracious, very merciful. Keep reading. He goes on to say, verse 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. You can't have anybody or anything that you love more than him. He's unwilling to take second place or third or fourth. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he's laid the foundation is not able to finish it, all that behold him begin to mock him. Is it going to cost you anything to follow Jesus? It is. A little bit or a lot? Everything. Right? Keep reading. They said, uh, verse 31, What king goes to make war against another and sits not down first, consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes with 20,000? Verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. You got to be willing. To pay any price. Don't you? 
any price to follow him. If your heart is right and it's a love sacrifice, even though it's a big, big price, you will do it not grudgingly, but gladly. And this is the acid test of whether you're doing it right or not. You know, we got two groups of Christians that we've talked about previously. We got uh, all suffering saints. Groups that believe that Christianity is just basically suffering in the morning, suffering at noontime, suffering when the sun goes down. And that everything, all kind of suffering of disease and sickness and poverty and lack is, you know, suffering for Christ's sake, suffering for the glory of God. But, you know, if that's true, does that mean that everybody on the planet that's suffering sickness and disease is suffering for the glory of God? Everybody that's suffering being hungry or not being able to pay their bills, that's suffering for Christ's sake? Because there are, I mean, there's all kind of uh, people in other religions that are suffering and people of no religion that are suffering these same things. Are they suffering for the glory of God? They suffering for their spiritual development? No, see, if it's really a suffering according to the will of God, it has to be different than what the rest of the world is suffering. And the Bible tells us what it is. He said, yea, all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Now, everybody's not suffering because of that. That is a suffering unique to the child of God. That because of our commitment to believe him and what he's telling us to do, that, you know, he talked about in the epistles about where they had some of their goods and some of their stuff taken away from them because they were Christians. And especially in some countries today, I was noticing just on the news recently about a man that, uh, you know, had been in jail for such a long time. All he was doing was trying to pastor a Christian church in a country that didn't allow it. Well, it's costing him, right? And it's costing his family. But it is that that is a Christ-like sacrifice, isn't it? And I've known of guys, they had been in jail 10, 12 times. And they knew what would happen. And they'd go right back out on the street and preach again. Preach again. And know that they might be killed. Right? Well, that, if the Lord's telling you to do it, then that is a suffering according to the will of God. That is a suffering, a sacrifice. Nobody's, you know, making you do it. It's out of love. And you're doing it because you want to. Why? Because you want this gospel to be preached to the ends of the earth. You want the kingdom of God to be advanced. Right? You want the people sitting in darkness to see light. The people in chains to be set free. And if it costs you to get this to them, so be it. Because we reckon. What do we reckon? Romans 8.18, put it up on the screen for us. What do we reckon? We reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. You think that a man or woman 
They got shut up in prison or they were shot and killed because they were preaching the gospel. That in spite of this oppressive government's efforts, people heard it. Little kids heard it. Others heard it. And even though they went and put their body in a shallow grave, 50 years from now, there's a thousand strong churches in that city. Are you listening? And they're some of the ones that sowed the first seed. Do you think in heaven, 10 millennia from now, they're going to be going around still crying about, they shot me like a dog in the street. They just shot me down. Are you kidding? No. The disciples, when they were beaten for preaching Christ, they came back rejoicing. Come on, do you know this or not? Go to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts. They came back doing what? After you've been beat? Acts 5, I believe it is. You just got through reading this recently, didn't you? Because everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every Monday through Friday. We're reading through Acts right now. Acts 5 and 40. When they called the apostles and what? Had beaten them. What does it mean beat? Huh? That means hit. Hurt. And they beat them. And commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. Crying. Sobbing. Huh? Depressed. No. Sobbing and crying saying, this is too high a price to pay. Hmm? It's just too hard. Now, you know, people giving me little snide looks and stuff in the church, I can take that. But I mean, they just beat the pudding out of us. This is, this, this is not fun anymore. I think they broke some ribs, man. It's, I can hardly walk. Huh? It's too high a price. We've talked about this before. But is it too high a price? When people are talking like that, is the problem too high a price or too little love? Because when you love him enough, there is no price too high. When you love the people and you love what's going to get to them, there is no price too high. So when people are talking about it costs too much, the price is too high, it's just too much to ask. It's not that the price is too high. Other people are willing to pay it and more. It's that their love is too small. Their love for him is too little. No, he said, love the Lord your God with what? With what? Huh? Up to 85%. What? With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. All your strength, strength would include all of your strengths, your financial strength, your social strength, any ability, any influence that you have. If you're loving him with all you got, there is no price too high, is there? Because you, I mean, if you're willing to pay all, that's all you can pay. How much will you pay? All. Well, then we're asking you to pay all. And you say, that's too much. 
No, you just got through saying. You're willing to pay off. And the issue is, are we getting something for what we're paying? And if it's a godly sacrifice, somebody else is benefiting. People imagine in their minds that they're going to deprive themselves and they're going to seclude themselves and they're going to do all these things and, and, and sacrifice all these things for their personal spiritual development and growth. And you'll find that these people that do this, the more they do it, the weirder they get. <laughs> the weirder they become. No. If it's a real godly sacrifice, here's the acid test. Somebody else is benefiting. Hmm? That's why 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that it's possible to give everything you've got and give your body to be burned and it not profit you one thing. How could that be? Because you're doing it for some kind of uh, goofy personal spiritual advancement idea. And you're showing everybody how holy you are and, and how spiritual you are. And that is not going to benefit you one thing. But when love is the motivation, when you're doing what you're doing, because somebody needs to get that gospel. Somebody needs to get that word. Right? It is going to take money to do it. It's going to take somebody putting in the hours. It's going to take. Then you're not dragging your feet around going, it's just so hard. It's just so. No, you're happy. And glad to do it and to pay it. Can you say amen? Amen. That's why Paul said, we we keep quoting it and referring to it. He said, I'll I'll most gladly spend and be spent. Put it up on the screen for 2 Corinthians 12, 15. 2 Corinthians 12 and 15. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He says what? I will what? I will what? Now, there's a difference between very gladly and sad. I will very gladly spend and be spent. That's all, right? If when you're spent, what does that mean? That means you you got no more to pay. You've spent until you are spent. Though the more I'm doing for you, the more abundantly I love you, the less I'll be loved. Even though... They found them some new super apostles and didn't have time for him anymore. That's right. Some guys that were, you know, and and you know how they knew they were super apostles? They told them they were. Yeah. You know who's the one who really loves you? The one that will sacrifice for you. Hmm? Now that doesn't mean they'll do everything you ask them to do. This is not just responding to every one of your desires or questions, but it's what what the Lord would direct that you know they really need. Go with me to Philippians. Philippians, the second chapter. There's a, a brother here named Epaphroditus. You ever heard of him? And here in Arkansas and southern Missouri, we just shortened it to Epi. Because we knew if he grew up around here, that's what he'd have done. 
And there were many brothers and sisters and, and people doing all kind of things in those days that the Bible did not record for us. But this one was handpicked by the Holy Spirit. It has to be very significant. What are we supposed to get out of this uh, that's given to us concerning this man? The Bible said in verse uh, 25, Philippians 2, he said, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier. Now, you know, they had a soldier mentality. And Paul even says by the Spirit of God, endure hardness as a good soldier. Soldiers have to be willing to sacrifice. They sacrifice safety, blaring out into an area where there is fire and known uh, weaponry or, or bombs or explosives hidden or whatever. It's risky business, isn't it? You know, that our, our men and women are doing right now for us in hot zones of the earth. You know, they're jumping up at five o'clock or whatever it is, and they're putting their gear on. You think their flesh wants to go get in that vehicle and drive down the road that they know there are people out there with weapons that want to kill them? Drive down the road, go to a place, a route that they know that they're planning uh, improvised explosives, hoping that they'll run over them. No, their flesh doesn't want to do it. But because of their training and because of their commitment, right? And their personal commitment to do their job for the person on their left and right, they'll do it. Drive right through there. Do you appreciate that? Drive right through there. Go into a place where they know they've been stockpiling weapons for months. Know there's bad guys just wanting, itching to kill some Americans. And go in there in the middle of the night, pitch black, and kick down a door. Somebody's got to go in first. Right? What's sitting on the other end? For all you know, a 50 caliber is sitting right there. Risky. We're thankful and appreciate those that are willing. Many in this building have demonstrated that kind of commitment. But how many think we should be less committed to the kingdom of God? No. As much as we appreciate our country, there's coming a time when there will be no more U.S. of A. There will only be the kingdom of God. It lasts forever. Right? This natural life is passing by so quickly. Should we have a soldier mentality too? Willing to endure hardness like a good soldier. Willing to sacrifice if need be. Everything to complete our mission. Now, now the reason I'm talking about this is because we talked about the all-suffering saints. We got a new group now called the no-suffering saints. And all they want to hear about is their benefits and privileges in Christ. And all they want to hear about are those things only 
And if you start talking about we need to be of service. We need to do something. They don't like that. They'll go to another place. They'll, they'll try to listen to another person that won't bring that up. All we want to hear is what it's going to do for me. And people like to just come and sit and nothing be expected of them. Right? Nothing be expected at all. But I'm telling you, the head of the church told us more than once, we got to be willing to put our gear on. Come on, are you listening to me? Put our boots on, strap our gear on, and go and kick down doors and go to the other side of the world and spend our last dollar, stay up all night, work, sweat. Is there, I mean, I, I don't understand where some folks are coming from that say, well, you know, we're not supposed to do anything. How do you think things get done? I mean, how many know before you came in these doors tonight, a lot of somebodies had to show up here during the week, earlier tonight, there was cleaning, there's maintenance, there's parking, there's, how many understand these folks don't play this well and sing this well just because they showed up and smiled at each other? You got to practice, you got to learn things, that takes time. Time, you could be doing something else. And there are millions who are believers and claim Jesus as their Savior, but they got no time for him for service. And it is so much like what we just got through reading. They've got business to attend to. They've got marriage and family to attend to. They've got this to attend to. And they can't come. And they don't realize they got time for everything else. But they got no time for him. And they can spend money on everything else. But they got none for him. Saints, this is not okay. Is it? It's not okay. Doesn't mean we can't have anything else in our life. But he should be first. Shouldn't he? Should he be first? I'm convinced. He's supposed to be number one. Epi's a good example. Of this kind of soldier mentality. We might call him Sergeant Epi. I don't know. He said, Epi is my brother. Epi is my fellow worker and my fellow soldier. He and I soldiers. We cut from the same cloth. How many think that made Epi feel good when he heard this letter read? Paul. Man, who's had visions of the master? He's saying, me and Epi, fellow soldiers, fellow workers. He's your messenger, and he ministered to my wants. I needed some things, and he took care of me. But you're going to see that it cost him to do it. Verse 26, he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because you had heard that he had been sick. Now, this is a different mentality. It shows you a soldier. More people... Feel bad if you don't know that they're sick. 
And you're not calling and sending cards and, you know, man, just fell asleep over here and died. Nobody check on him, you know. No, it bothered him that they had been upset hearing he was sick. He would rather they hadn't even heard about it till he overcame it. And then they just hear the testimony. See, a mature child of God doesn't want you burdened with their attacks and their challenges and their issues. It bothers them if it's bothering you. That's love, isn't it? Love doesn't want you bothered. Love doesn't want you burdened. For verse 27, indeed he was sick. Nigh unto death, he about died. But God had mercy on him. Wonder if God still has mercy on people that's about dead. Yes, he does. God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. When God heals your friends, he did something for you. Right? When God heals your family and your loved ones, your friends, he didn't only have mercy on them, he had mercy on you too. Right? I sent him therefore the more carefully that when you see him, so apparently now he's healed. Right? Apparently now he's healed, he's able to travel. He's being sent on another errand, mission, that when you see him, you may rejoice, and I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with. He didn't say grab him and start crying and go, oh, we heard what a trial you've been through, brother. God, it was awful, wasn't it? No, it's time to rejoice. Mission completed. Body healed. Ready for another one. How many believe Epi was one of those very gladly spend and be spent? Paul said he's a soldier just like me. He's a soldier. Reckon how many church going folk see themselves as real soldiers in the kingdom of God. Mission capable. Mission ready. Oh, they see themselves as folks that come visit on Sunday. Say hallelujah. Then go to the house. These things don't begin outside. Don't think, well, I I got this. I don't know what I could do. Are you willing? That's where it starts. It's accepted not according to what a man or woman doesn't have, but what they do have. And right where you sit, you don't have to wait for one more moment to open up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm yours. Here am I. Send me, use me, I'm willing to very gladly spend and be spent to do what you want me to do, to accomplish your will in the earth. Is that your desire, saints? Is that your your heart? Say it out loud, lift up a hand, say it out loud, Father God, I am willing to gladly spend and be spent for you, everything I am. Everything I have, everything I can do is yours. Send me. Use me. I'm willing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Well, now I hope you meant it. Because he takes that kind of thing very seriously. And you'll be getting an assignment here right away. You think so? I know so. The harvest is great. 
The laborers are few. You will be getting an assignment. That's not a question. You know what the question is? Will you do it? And it's easy to say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It may be something he already told you to do. And he's just going to tell you again. Well, there's a reason you haven't already done it. You see, so many folks, in their mind, they are ready to climb the highest mountain. They are ready to cross the widest sea. They think. And they like talking about it. They'll tear up and go, yes, anything for Jesus. And the truth is, they won't drive across town. And they won't climb the steps of the church house to be of service and do some small thing. It's easy to be romantic about all the stuff you'll do. And all the stuff you're going to do one day. Yeah, one of these days. One of these days, one of these days, you'll be dead. <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> you know, the devil, if he can't get you to just say you're not going to do it, you know what his next attack is? Just put it off. Because you'll never do anything tomorrow. Because when tomorrow gets here, it's not tomorrow, it's today. And tomorrow is still off there. So if the enemy can just get, just push it off. You know, soon as we get the kids raised and, and through school, and as soon as I get this done, we get our house paid off, and as soon as we retire, as soon as this, as soon as that, mm-mm. your life is passing by. What's happening right now? What's been happening? This is life. This is it. It's happening. It's going on right now. If you're not doing what you're supposed to, you should make radical changes. Because this is, you know, contrary to some people's belief, there is no second, third time coming back through here. (laughs) One time. One time. That's it. Epi had the right heart, the right attitude. He said, receive him with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Esteem people like Epi. Respect him. Why? He tells you verse 30. Why esteem him? Why, why respect him? Because for the work of Christ, he was near to death. We know he got sick. We know he about died. Here we're told it was because of the work of Christ. One translation says he recklessly exposed himself. Maybe it was to the elements. But he did what it took, not regarding his life, in order to supply your lack of service toward me. Paul needed some things. I don't know what they were. But he needed, we know he needed some money and some stuff. Because don't you remember in Philippians he talks about, you sent to me once and again. Well, apparently Epi was the one or one of the ones that got it from them to him. Maybe it was hostile government. Maybe he got wounded. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was too cold. It was too hot. It was too long. Whatever it was, when it started taking a toll on him, he didn't quit. When it started costing him a lot, 
He just kept going. He kept going and he got it done, but he about died. But God had mercy on him. And Paul didn't correct him and say, now that was a foolish thing to do, Epi. Don't y'all do that. Mm-mm. He said, yeah, that's what I do too. Does he or not? Yes. Man, he crossed oceans in the most rickety boats. He bobbed like a cork out in the ocean for days and nights at a time. He'd go preach where he knew they wanted to kill him. If they stoned him, he'd get right back up and go preach to the same town the next day. Right? Why? Not that he has a death wish. It's just that he loves God so much and he loves the people so much. He's willing to pay anything, anything to get this done. Do we still need people like this today? We need an army of people like this. Not like some religions that want to kill people and hurt people in the name of our religion. No, we're willing to sacrifice ourselves, like our master, like the Christ, to give and pay and spend and be spent. That needs would be met. That the gospel would be preached. That his will would be done. He said when this gospel's preached to the ends of the earth, he's going to come back. Right? So obviously it hadn't been fully done. So what can you do? What can I do to get this job done? Can you do something? Everybody can do something. Do you believe everybody can do something? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Go to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, please. Tell you, let's go to Matthew 13 first. It's right there in the same vicinity. Matthew 13, verse 44, he said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, which when a man has found it, he hides, and for what? Joy. So you keep seeing that, don't you? Joy, gladness, rejoicing. For joy thereof, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He sells what? All that he has. And is he sad about it? No, because he's getting something. He's glad to turn loose of this because he's, he's getting a field. It's the field he always wanted. Verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, the word means extremely valuable, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. I have... Uh, prayed and asked the Lord, when I see people, men and women, that are used greatly of God, I want to know why. I want to know what is it about them that God could use like that to influence so many, to accomplish so much. We know it's going to be Christ-like attributes. And this one, I've seen over and over again. People that that God just keeps putting more and more resources into their hands. Giving them greater and greater scope of influence. And just keeps using them more and more and more. One thing I've observed again and again with these folks. They value the things of God. 
They value the things. They're precious to them. And it shows up in everything they do. Everything they do. There's a story that I'm reminded of a brother Kenneth Copeland. And he and Miss Gloria are two such people that I'm talking about. One of the first music projects that they did. And you've heard him probably tell this story. They were in the studio. And if you've never done a project like that before, it's not what many people think. They think you just go in there and everybody sings and they're happy and they go, that's a wrap. And, and there you go. No, no, no. It's, it's a lot of work, man. You go lay down tracks and, and you tweak things and people come in and they lay down other tracks and then there's mixing and there's, uh, there's a lot of work to it. And so they were working on a song and some of the musicians that he had had come in, he didn't have his own group yet. And, uh, he's wanting them, he wasn't satisfied with it. So they, they kept doing it and they did it again, did it again. And finally one fellow spoke up, guitar player, I think. He spoke up and said, well now that's just good enough for gospel music. And I wasn't there, but I expect steam came out <laughs> of Brother Kenny Sears. And this is, this is part of what makes them what they are. And I believe some of the big reasons why God uses people like them to the extent and degree that he does. I mean, he sent that guy packing. Why? Because that comment reveals he values secular ungodly music more than the things of the Lord. And he's not willing to spend any time. Now, a lot of people listening to this right now, they'd go, huh, man, isn't that something? Yeah, that guy already got kicked out of there. And don't realize they're doing the same thing on a regular basis. If you are willing to give all kind of time to other things, all kind of money to other things, and yet you got no time for the kingdom, you got no time for the things of God, it's the same thing, isn't it? And people are. They're people, man, they wouldn't dare show up late for work. But they'll drag in late for church, mess around, goof around. They know they might get fired or lose customers if they do a shabby job. But with the things of the church, they want you to just let them do whatever they want to do, how and when. And if they, if they want to, when they ever decide to, why? Well, it's just the church. It's just over to the church. And there's this mentality of whatever. It's okay. Yeah, no big deal. And folks don't realize this is disrespectful to God himself. You believe it or not, saints. We shouldn't do less for the Lord's things. Right? We shouldn't do less. We shouldn't be less diligent. We shouldn't spend less. Do less. He should be first. Right? Our first. Our best. Can you say amen? Amen. Do you believe it? Willing to sell all. Sacrifice all. In the uh, 22nd chapter of Matthew. Matthew 22. This is that same story. That we read in Luke. But Matthew adds some things that Luke didn't have. Matthew 22. And let's see, about verse uh, 
2. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. They what? Now, how should we, when we hear that, what kind of effect should that have on us? What kind of effect? We should go, What? What? I know I didn't hear you right. The head of the church invited you to come. And you said no? See, because standards have fallen so low and values and honor has fallen so low, people aren't noticing these things. I know my brother and I, now we weren't the most perfect children. I don't mean to imply that. But our, our parents, mom and dad, did instill some good values in us. One of the things, we go to eat at grandma's house uh, about every Sunday. And one of the things you didn't do was make fun of food. And you didn't turn up your nose at anything. Never. And uh, we were there, and some of our kin folks came over. And they had some little kids about mine and my brother's age and younger. And they sat across the table, and their mom started to dip some things in my grandma. And one of them said, Ew, no, I want it. Me and, me and my brother looked at each other and we went, Oh, what? We thought, they're going to get it, man. They're, and we're waiting for them to get it. And they never got it all day long. Nothing. And that kind of thing has happened with the church. Folks got no time for the Lord. They're irreverent, lax, loose, no honor, no value, no esteem. People are like, mm, whatever. It's too common a phrase, isn't it? Well, it's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. It's okay if you do. It's okay if you don't. If you want to, when you want to, it's okay. So it's all okay. And nothing's a big deal. You don't have to prepare big for anything. You don't need to dress up for anything. You don't need to spend extra for anything. It's just, it's all okay. And we're suffering from the rebellion of the 60s. We've got multiple generations now that have grown up and lost important things about honor. And respect. No friend. The things of God are a big deal. Yes, sir. They're supposed to be a big deal. Right. And when you see people like. You know. Or Roberts and the Hagens and the Copelands. How many understand. Uh, or Roberts University. He's out there in an open field. He didn't just put up a shack. Right. Have you seen those buildings out there? Have you seen what's going on out there? And the Copelands. I mean. They don't care what it takes. I mean, they will believe God for millions and millions if it takes billions, whatever it takes. Don't you feel the same way? Don't try to be cheap and don't try to script. This is the kingdom of God we're talking about. This is the plan, the vision of God coming to pass in the earth. It deserves our best. And if it takes more than that, believe God that your best gets better. When the Lord invites you to come, you have an opportunity to serve, have an opportunity to be a part. 
And somebody says, no, I'm so busy. What should all of us say? (gasps) What? What? You just had an opportunity to do something for the kingdom. And you're too busy? Doing what? What could be more important than the kingdom of God? A lot of folks think, just like these folks, he said, uh, I've prepared my dinner. It's all ready. Everything's ready. Come. Come to the marriage. If you love him, if you value his things above everything else, what do you do? Everything else is suspended. Everything else is pushed off or postponed, right? What do we do? We don't do anything else because today's the day we've been invited. So if we have to, we start getting ready early so that we're not late. We're there. If anybody has to wait on anybody, it shouldn't be him waiting on us. It's all right if we're waiting on him, but not the other way around. And you're so so pleased, so privileged, so honored to have been invited. Maybe you had all kind of stuff to do, but they would never know it. You say, I want want you to come help with this. And you go, my schedule just cleared up. Why? It's a matter of what's more important. What is most valuable. Should every child of God have this kind of mentality concerning the things of God? But verse 5, what was the problem? What happened? How, How do you make light of it? Well, maybe another time. But you know, I got stuff to do today. And, uh, the farm's not going to run itself. And I've got merchandise. and Made light of it. Everybody say made light of it. And one thing affects another. It has a cascading effect. A domino effect. It's no big deal. You start saying that. Ah, that's okay. Yeah, skip it. Nah, just leave it. That's good enough. Nah, it's okay. Whether we're on time or we're not, or whether we do it right or just halfway, the next step is whether you do it at all. It doesn't stop there. It just keeps degenerating, whether we even show up or not. We've had so many compliments from other churches and ministers and ministries on your service in the church. I mean... Just a, don't we feel it's just a constant stream of people saying, man, you're people. How do you get them to do that? Well, we don't. They want to. And it is nobody making anybody doing anything. It's a revelation. How many believe it's a revelation? And it's your ministry under him. And when you're doing it under him, nobody, you're not waiting on anybody to build a fire under you. You're not waiting on accolades from them either because you're not just doing it for them. You're doing it under him. It's your ministry. And what? how many believe it is the greatest joy and privilege of life to be used of God, to be of service to somebody in things big or small, to have any kind of a place or part in what God's doing in the earth. It's just the greatest honor. I said it's the greatest honor. It's the greatest honor. 
And when you're that way, you see value where others don't. You esteem things differently than many others do. Don't let the world influence you. We're the salt. We're the light. We're to influence them. Just because they despise things doesn't mean we do. In closing, I think, go to 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter. That's why we put these big words on top of the area here in the front. Because it covers so much. It's just a continuous thing that we should be reminded of. and Keeping our hearts and minds. We are privileged to even know that there's a God. There are how many millions in total black darkness out there in the world. And you're right now sitting up in here saved. Name in the Lamb's book of life. Right? Know what's happening to us after our last breath. But that's not all. There are those who are dead spiritually. And there are a whole lot of people who are, even though they've been born again, they're alive, they're asleep. Well, people who are dead asleep are for all practical purposes like dead people. They're not doing anything, not aware of anything. Oh, but there is a spiritual bunch that's alive and awake. Well, somebody say alive Alive. and awake. awake. How about you? Alive Alive. and awake. Didn't the Lord say, awake thou that sleepest. Rise from the dead. Christ will give you light. For those, those who are alive and awake and willing, we get to be on the front lines. I mean the cutting edge of what God is doing in the earth. Do you believe it? Is it going to cost? Uh-huh. Just everything. But is it worth it? It's not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Other folks that are not committed and don't have that love, they don't understand it. They're like, you're going to church again? You took your vacation to do what? You went to a meeting? That's crazy, man. You could be fishing. You could be shopping. What do they just tell you? They value fishing more than revelation of the word. They value playing golf. They value shopping more. That's their priority. And if the Lord invited them to something, what would they probably say? You know, maybe another time, but we've been planning this for six months and, you know, it's a problem. We should see things differently. Our values are different. How many would lift up your hand and say, I am a man or woman, whatever you are. I'm a man after God's own heart. Say it again. I am a man after God's own heart. I am a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? Among other things, it means I value what he values. His priorities are my priorities. David, such a man. And you see some of the things he did 
being a man after God's own heart would seem strange to a lot of people. But it's because he saw things differently. 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. And about verse 14. David was in the hold. The garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. So uh, the enemy was occupying their land. And David longed and said, Oh, that one, somebody would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He's looking at their well behind enemy lines, and he says this. Somebody would give me a drink of water from that well. Not that they didn't have any water. Not that there was somewhere else to get some water. But that's the well of Bethlehem. That's the home place well. Right? right. Our well. The enemy's got no business being having our well. I want to drink water out of my well. And verse 16, three mighty men, three of his men heard this. And look at what they did. They broke through the host of the Philistines. They had to break through enemy lines, draw the water. I don't know if two of them fought while one of them got the water, but this is a hot zone, brother. Then they got to fight their way back through the enemy line and get back to their bunch. Over what? Over a jug of water. H2O is H2O, ain't it? Mm -mm. No, it's not. They drew the water. They took it. They brought it to David. Can you picture it? These three guys, these guys are lions. They got courage for days, don't they? They come through. They're bloody. They're sweaty. I don't know if they're cut. I don't know. But they said, uh, King David, yes, we have something for you. You do. What do you have? What is that? Some water, O king, from the Bethlehem well. Just drawn. They stepped back. Don't you know they're feeling like the cat that got the canary? They're looking at each other like, told you we could do this. Let's stop right here. These guys were not always heroes. You read back in the beginning when folks started coming to join David, he was a fugitive. And it said the people that came were folks running from debts and discouraged. They were outcasts. They were down and outers. What happened to them? Something happened to them, didn't it? Why? Because here's a man who knows something about God and has a heart like God's heart, after God's own heart. And you see it evidenced right here. Something came up in them and it was stronger than their fear. 
It was stronger than the danger. It was stronger than what people might call good sense. And they got it and they presented it to him. And everybody would think that it's time to just swig that down and go, thank you, Lord. But that's not what happened, is it? Why? Nevertheless, he would not drink it. He would not drink it. He he what? He what? Now, friends, do you hear in your heart why we're reading this right now? Things of honor have been lost in our modern generations. How many people think like this? But God's never changed. Should we think like this? Was any price too high for them to pay? No. And because of it, the value of the gift is determined by its value to the giver. David, on another occasion, do you remember this? He needed a place to offer sacrifice. And he offered, the man came and said, here, take it, take the land, take the oxen, take the wood, and I give it to you. It's a gift. And David said, no. No, I will not offer to my God that which costs me nothing. I will pay you the full price for it. And he insisted. And so he did. Did you hear that phrase? I will not offer to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. Can you see some insight into why he's a man after God's own heart? Because he values things, at least in a measure, like God does. He honors things, at least to a degree, like God does. He wouldn't drink it, but he did what? He did what? Poured it out. Poured it out. Poured it out. It it hits the dust. The ground soaks it up. How many people today would go, that's nuts. But do you think those men were upset? Listen to what he said as he's doing it. He said, be it far from me, Lord, that I should do this. Do what? Drink this water. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? That's the same kind of phrase Paul used concerning Brother Epi. He did the same kind of thing to get to Paul what he needed during that time in his life. Therefore, he would not drink it. He said, this is too valuable for me to drink. Did that make them mad, you think? Or did that honor them all the more? You believe it did? That means he thinks it's more valuable than they do. They just want him to drink it and enjoy it. and That's what they're expecting. And he says, no. This is precious. You guys risked your lives to get me this water. It's too valuable for me to drink. I want to give it to the Lord. I want to make it a holy offering to him. And so he said, Lord, I'm giving it to you. And he poured it out to the Lord. We live in a world that's vulgar and base and crass and uses the basest terms to describe what should be holy and important things. People that are not, don't hesitate to mock 
and speak so disrespectfully. And it's easy if you've grown up in this and it's around you in the workplace and marketplace and everywhere to not notice it. It just seems normal. But it's not right. I said it's not right. And you and I are not supposed to blend in unnoticed. We are supposed to be, we are the light. We are the salt. We are the light. Do you believe it, saints? And we are to honor God when nobody else has the sense to. We're to speak respectfully of him and his things when nobody even noticed it. I'm not talking about trying to correct everybody. I'm talking about what you do in your life as an example, as a light. And we are to have that get your gear on and go mentality that it doesn't matter when it is, what's going on. We're on the earth. We got a job to do. We're going to do what it takes. We're going to, we're going to use what we got and believe for what we don't have. And get this job done. Because in just a few more blinks and breaths, we're out of here. We're going to be on the other side. How many think you'll be so glad if you gave it all you got down here? If you did everything you could do. If you redeemed the time and used all your resources to do the job. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Love's sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes and... And lift up your hands. We don't know who's in the house. We don't know who's watching by uh, internet. May it not be. That a single person. Would be in this service. And wind up lost later. May it not be. So let's everybody. Pray these things. Affirm these things. Sit out loud. Great. Mighty God, creator of all things, father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the father of the Lord Jesus, I believe your words, your values are right, your truths are sure. In just a few days, our lives will be over. Eternity will go on. The kingdom, your kingdom, will be established and never end. Forgive us for not being as committed as we should have been, for missing opportunities, for letting other things be more important to us than you and your things. But by your grace, help us to realize God-given opportunities, God-given invitations, and we will stop putting you off, and we'll have time for you, and respond to you as we ought. Thank you that we are and will be. People after your own heart. Open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts to see the way you see, to value the way you value, to esteem 
Hold precious and honor what you do. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.